Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That's just fantastic. But, fantastic. Fa- oh. Oh. Oh, so bad. The, the Marcel literally just patted herself on the back. Sorry, Hello and welcome to Witch Please, a fortnightly podcast about the Harry Potter world. I'm Marcel Cosman. And I'm Neil Barnholden. Today, we are going to talk about trailers. Given the fact that the release of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is imminent, we thought that it would be really fun to get together and talk a little bit about trailers. But what we're going to do today, in order to set this up for multiple episodes, we're going to start by talking trailers and the original Harry Potter franchise. Did you ever make anything happen? Anything you couldn't explain? You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? So what Neil and I have just done is we have sat through the, I don't know who put it together, maybe Warner Brothers, maybe some somebody who went rogue at Warner Brothers, but the YouTube list of all the Harry Potter trailers. Um, so this was one trailer per movie, even though there are multiple trailers for all of the movies, we sort of got to see a sampling of, we'll call it a best of, maybe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what the selection criteria was. They're kind of poorly labeled, actually. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't explain, you know, what came out first or what was, you know, what versions they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm also suspicious of the international trailer because it's still in English. <gasps> so I don't, I don't know if that varies a lot by different countries. Hey, Neil, you have a film degree. I do. What's the point of a trailer? What does a trailer do? Uh, Trailers are advertising uh, for movies. That's why typically you'll see trailers that are uh, produced by the same studio that produces the film you're about to watch. Uh, So they are advertising for movies. They're intended to get movie-going audiences aware of movies. If they're on TV, then they're intended to spread word about movies that are coming out. I mean, they're deeply, deeply commercial products, even more so than the movies. (laughs) I I think one thing that's interesting about trailers is that if you think about an audience that isn't reading the books or even watching the movies, probably their major form of interaction is with advertising for Harry Potter. And I would assume these trailers are what you would see of Harry Potter if you had no interest in seeing Harry Potter whatsoever. I'd like to make an announcement. Hogwarts Castle will not only be your home this year, 
but home to some very special guests as well. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So if you had never read Harry Potter and had no intention of seeing Harry Potter, but you saw the trailer for the first movie, you essentially would have just seen the first movie. You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? Yeah, the, the trailer for the first movie is the first movie with a bunch of scenes taken out. I'm pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. In a few moments, you will pass through these doors and join your classmates. Keep an eye on the staircases. They like to change. It really feels like it is in the order of the first movie. Good afternoon, class. Welcome to your first flying lesson. Stick your right hand over the broom and say up. Oh, uh, wow. It hits all the high points, basically. Wicked. Mr. Potter, our new celebrity. First years should note that the dark forest is strictly forbidden. That no magic's to be used between the classes and the corridors. Petrificus Totalis. The third floor corridor is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to suffer a most painful death. Dungeon! Understand this, Harry, because it's very important. Not all wizards are good. I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed. Or worse, expelled. She needs to sort out her priorities. Every single scene with a special effect in it. I think it is clear can expect great things from you. So one of the interesting things that we did while watching the trailers, you showed me the international trailer for The Goblet of Fire, which was different from the, I, I guess, North American trailer? I think so, yeah. The Goblet of Fire trailer is very, the international trailer is very interesting to me because it is essentially all the same scenes as the North American trailer, but in a different order. And the voiceovers or the lines of dialogue from the movies have been arranged to be on top of different scenes. And I find this really inexplicable because it doesn't make the movie look distinctly different. It doesn't really emphasize a different part. It just puts them in a different order. I'm fascinated by this. Why make those decisions? Okay, so for any movie in a North American release, we'll have multiple trailers. So what, in your film degree expertise, <laughs> did you like do a whole course on trailers? Don't answer that. I'm going to believe in my heart that you did, because like, what else would be the point of a film degree if you can't like get into the nitty gritty? So I'm really interested in... Um, I've never really thought about this before, but like there's a difference between an international trailer and a domestic trailer, and even the domestic trailers are going to have different versions. So I guess I'm just curious, like how do these all fit together? What's the point of them? Why? How? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Why do different versions? I assume that it's because of the length of advertising campaigns. Um, at least if we're thinking about a single location, I assume that the purpose is to keep things fresh, is to keep having you know new material uh, out there. Somewhat notoriously, um, 
trailers are also, of course, the first way that the general public can see any footage from a movie. Especially before the internet, there were always rumors of you know buying tickets to see a movie um, actually just to see a trailer in mm-hmm. front of it. Um, I mentioned this online, but the Star Wars Phantom Menace trailer is sort of notorious for people buying tickets to meet Joe Black, the <laughs> completely forgettable <laughs> Brad Pitt movie. <laughs> Uh, just to see, you know, honestly, what, two minutes of footage from Phantom Menace? Everything about that story is a tragedy. <laughs> a horrible tragedy. Oh my god, the Phantom Menace was so terrible. So bad. I actually can't even remember if Meet Joe Black was terrible, but I was probably too young to <laughs> judge it objectively. <laughs> I think people still do that, uh, but I think these days it's easier to see a trailer, you know, just on iTunes or totally removed from context, right? Yeah, yeah, that's very true. YouTube didn't exist when The Phantom Menace was released. (gasps) Holy moly, YouTube didn't exist when The Phantom Menace was released? Oh my god. I know. I almost said (laughs) back when The Phantom Menace was released before the internet. (laughs) But I guess I mean Web 1.0. So if you wanted to put up, you know, a real player pirated file on your GeoCities page. I guarantee you there were hundreds of GeoCities pages dedicated to the Phantom Menace trailer. Oh, my God. (sighs) Okay. One of the things that I found really fascinating about watching these trailers is that certain spoilers aren't present. And I I found that really, 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 really interesting. So like, okay, so like Voldemort is in the later trailers. So we get that he comes back. I mean, I'm not sure that that's really a spoiler. (laughs) Like, what would be the point of the Harry Potter franchise at all if like the ultimate villain doesn't make an appearance so that's okay but things that didn't show up in any of the later trailers were the death of cedric diggory Mm -hmm. we don't know that he dies or the fact until the very end that sirius black is not a villain right that also doesn't get revealed or it's not intentionally revealed like you would only know that sirius black's presence is the presence of a good guy if you had seen Prisoner of Azkaban previously or read the book or whatever. And the really big one, which is that Snape is also a hero. And like, I I guess that that's revealed in the final movie, so that wouldn't really play a part in the trailer. But I guess I'm just so interested in the fact that trailers to some degree remain spoiler free. And that's so like, can you can you help me make sense of that, Neil? Well, one thing I was thinking about when we were watching these trailers is that every single one of these trailers is for a movie based on a book that had been out for years <laughs> at that point. So I I mean, again, this is a huge assumption, but I suppose the thinking is that the filmic audience it contains a significant number of people who are not familiar with the books. Yeah. And I assume that that is both why the trailers they often focus on very iconic moments or images from the books that would only make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if for example, the, what you see of Azkaban in the trailer for Prisoner of Azkaban, you would have no idea that that's Azkaban. Right. It, it's just a building <laughs> of some kind. Um, well, not it's actually a very distinctive building. 
you know, every building looks like uh, Azkaban. But yeah, it's very interesting because I feel like they are, they walk this strange line between telling fans that everything they know and love will be in this movie and mm-hmm. also not telling other audiences that there are really, you know, that there's tricks that these movies play on you. You also don't... Um, Dumbledore's uh, death isn't played up in the trailer for Half-Blood Prince at all, which is kind of strange. And even in the trailers for Deathly Hallows Parts 1 and 2, you see Dumbledore dying, but if you hadn't seen Half-Blood Prince, you wouldn't know that that was him dying. All lines are busy. Please hold. How should I I say this? Uh, Our recorder... uh, maxed out while we were right in the middle of a discussion about um, trailers, specifically while we were talking about Dumbledore's death and how it's underplayed in the trailers. We were talking about spoilers and spoilers and trailers in general. Um, And Neil was about to bring up the idea of home video trailers. And I was about to react to the notion of home video trailers, which I forgot existed because on DVDs and Netflix, you don't like see them so often. Um, And I was about to exclaim how many kinds of trailers are there. So I'm just going to let Neil finish making whatever point it was that he wanted to make about trailers and home videos and spoilers. And we'll just pick it up from there. So I was just saying that one of the interesting things about trailers is that trailers are released at different points along the kind of span um, of a film's publicity. So some of them are, sometimes we call these teasers that are very short and have very, very small elements. Um, maybe, you know, just sometimes it's even just a logo or, or something or a title, actually, that they've started doing these days at Comic-Con and whatnot. And then there'll be trailers that are supposed to get you excited for a movie that's imminently coming out. And then there's trailers for a movie that is out. And then there are trailers for a movie that has already been out and people have seen it. And it's for the home video release of that trailer. And I think that's really interesting because all all of those have really different relationships to spoilers. I mean, there's no point concealing from people what happened in a movie that came out you know, six months ago. So I I think it would be interesting. I wonder if you looked through different kinds of trailers, if you would see that trailers that come out after the theatrical run of a movie are generally less concerned with spoilers and more concerned with reminding you of memorable moments Mm. from the movie that maybe make more sense after you've seen the movie. Mm -hmm. But yeah, home video trailers. What about home video trailers for an anniversary edition of a movie, right? Like when we, like when the Wizard of Oz, like 75th anniversary release was trailed, (laughs) was trailed at the, at the beginning of like either, either Half-Blood Prince or one of the two, one of the two Deathly Hallows. It was the one where you were like, interestingly enough about the like budget of that movie. And it was great. It was super nerdy. It was so much fun. Back in the days when Hannah was here. You're so right. This timeline just keeps expanding. Because even when I was saying, oh, there can be trailers that come out months after a movie's come out. You're right. There could be a trailer that comes out 75 years after the movie came out. Mm -hmm. That's saying, hey, remember that movie that's existed for your entire life? (laughs) 
It's back. It's happening again. Wow. I think this must exist, but I don't know that I've seen um, trailers for for just, you know, new editions of DVDs unless it's an anniversary or something that feels like it's kind of playing with the nostalgia idea or something. But, I mean, you know, for example, you own the the complete box set of all eight Harry Potter movies. And I don't, I wonder if there is a trailer for that, strictly speaking. I wonder about that. I mean, it's interesting too, because you see things like uh, trailers for video games and there are book trailers now, which Mm -hmm. I find particularly fascinating because the concept of a trailer is that it's footage from the actual thing itself. And book trailers are really interesting because they're not. Right, they're short films that are made based on a book that hasn't come out yet. Book trailers sound horrible to me. (laughs) The only one that comes to mind to me is one for Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. So yes, you're correct. You know what? (laughs) I was actually going to go on a tangent that's not directly related. (laughs) I was just going to say that the the box set of the Harry Potter movies that I own is actually so haphazard. It was obviously just put together by Warner Brothers or whoever the like film distribution company is for Warner Brothers in time for Christmas because it's not uniform at all. Um, it's got like each of the different discs looks like it was plucked from a box. Oh. <laughs> it was released separately. <laughs> That's so interesting because it suggests that what you actually have is uh, a repackaging, mm-hmm. not not actually a box set mm-hmm. of them, but a repackaging as though someone had gathered, you know, copies of the seven books of Harry Potter and then yeah. built a box to put them in. Yeah. If it had like Chinese writing on the back and was actually purchased on like a corner in Beijing... <laughs> I would not be surprised, but it wasn't. It was purchased from Future Shop by my grandma and given to me as a Christmas gift. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I bought that same box set that same Christmas because it was so well priced. But I mean, this also brings up another point, which I just incidentally find this is not about trailers, but I incidentally find it fascinating about the materiality of films that um, DVD cases are so interesting to me in how much they imitate books, Mm -hmm. actually, which I find very interesting because VHS tapes never did that. Mm -hmm. But they do uh, to the extent of copying that kind of opening, uh, what what we call the clamshell case. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, even snap cases are like that, too. But also the table of contents that DVDs have. (gasps) And I remember this early DVDs would often say that uh, chapter, like, chapter navigation was a special feature of dvds which i think is so bizarre i was thinking about this this makes me think about the last episode where in hannah's episode there was a discussion of tables of contents Mm -hmm. and what is the purpose of tables of contents and you think with a movie i feel like that's an even weirder question but it's an imitation of books so hannah has said in the past that a table of contents is just a table of spoilers and movies it's even more accurate like one time I was watching the movie Lagan, which is an incredible Bollywood film about a a village attempting to defeat the British in a game of cricket. Highly recommend it. It is like the greatest four hours you will ever spend in your entire life. Get a copy today. Um, And I was watching it with our erstwhile tech support, Trevor Chow Fraser. Hi, how are you doing? 
And the DVD started to skip, and I thought it would be a good idea to go into the menu and skip to the last couple chapters and then backtrack, because we were so close to being done. We were, like, at the point where they were playing the cricket match. Here, Okay, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Commence Obliviate in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. When I went into the menu, Trevor saw the chapter title of the following scene, which was exclamation mark. And he was so mad. (laughs) He was so mad that we... We're like in the in the like height of tension because we don't know like what's going to happen to this village in India. Will they defeat the British or will India continue to be oppressed under the thumb of the British Empire for like the next, I don't know, 200 years? Who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Chapter titles. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The only DVD that I have within arm's reach for some reason is uh, Urban Legend, the slasher movie. <laughs> I just wanted to take a peek and see if there were spoilers in this. Yeah, they, they have these little booklets. That's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, a little write-up about Urban Legend. Oh, yeah, I see. Chapter 18 is called Dean Adams R.I.P. So, I mean, the Dean who appears 18 chapters earlier dies in that chapter. Wow. <laughs> I never thought about that before. But I feel like, you know, to get away from the physicality of, of Urban Legend, mm-hmm. don't ask me why I own that on DVD or why I, I keep it in my office at this university. It's okay, Neil. It was only $2.99. It's actually cheaper. I bought it on <laughs> I bought it on the Salvation Army's fifty percent off date. <laughs> I'm sorry to the makers of Urban Legend. Your commentary was delightful. I feel like something that something that unites a lot of what we're talking about, thinking about spoilers, about uh, the idea of home video versus seeing it in film, and the idea of trailers being released all along the life of a movie, is that the temporality of movies is extremely different than the temporality of books. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a huge question as to why we would think that anything in these movies could be spoiled at all when they're based on books. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we presume that there is a different or even just a larger audience for the movies. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also something about what a spoiler means to a movie Mm -hmm. where you sit through, you know, maybe two hours of something to find out what happens. As far as I understand it, the word spoiler comes from uh, television and movies. Mm. I, I could be wrong about that. I don't actually know. But I think it's imported into printed literature. But... That's is quite interesting. I mean, the temporality is really quite different. And the idea of chapters in a movie feels like a kind of literature style imposition of a certain kind of temporality where you wouldn't normally think of a movie as having discrete uh, portions to be viewed in any particular order that you want. I don't know why. Why would you go to chapter 18 
of urban legend. I'm not really sure why. I mean, I guess this maybe raises questions about video versus theatrical releases of film, which I also think is interesting because there is no equivalent of that remediation in books. Right. Like, movies have only been around for, like, a 100 years and change, right? Yeah. And home video releases. So, like, the the ability to see a movie after it's come out without the theater re replaying it like yeah. 10 years later, that's also super new. It's really new. It's yeah. like, I think it's just outside of our lifetime for books. Like it's probably not possible for you to be unaware of how Romeo and Juliet ends. <laughs> but it is probably possible for you to not know how The Winter's Tale ends. And The Winter's Tale is the only play that Shakespeare wrote that has a twist ending. Oh. And I won't spoil it for you the way that I spoiled Lagan for Trevor and me and everyone. <laughs> and I guess it's just really interesting to me that, like, the concept of spoilers accompanies this, like, fairly new medium, yeah. but particularly, like, a fairly new medium that has been remediated even more recently um but not like of course you couldn't you couldn't think of spoilers with books because like i don't know what would you spoil the bible yeah I never know. mind that's not making any sense no, but you're, not gonna, you're not gonna spoil the canterbury tales that thing doesn't end anyway there's no ending right i mean it's not a novel yeah. right it's it's not a, a linear no but your point yeah. is really well taken right there the Books predate the idea of there being a discrete linear story within them, right? Movies don't at all, and especially not home video. This, this also made me think about the fact that what happens, the pattern that develops over the Harry Potter trailers is that they, they get a certain rhythm in their editing where the beginning is sort of solemn, and it's almost always Dumbledore explaining what's happened you know he says the chamber of secrets has been opened you know welcome to hogwarts he doesn't say you're a wizard but he gives a speech about it you know oh hogwarts has been selected to be in the triwizard tournament you know um what you're looking at are memories in this case pertaining to one individual this is perhaps the most important memory i've collected i'd like you to see it and there's, it's exposition, right? And then the trailer picks up speed, and I think all of these trailers end with this extremely frenetically cut series of images that are so brief. And it struck me that they're also spectacular images, right? And I was joking earlier that it seems to be every special effects shot in the movie, but I almost think it's every shot of action of any kind. So he's coming closer. I can feel it. There's that baffling thing in Half-Blood Prince where there's a brief shot of Rita Skeeter stepping through a doorway. And then I think, you know, a shot of something exploding, maybe a dragon or something. It's Goblet of Fire, I just realized. Yeah, which is weird, but I mean, maybe that also speaks to the temporality of the idea of a movie as an event. Because I also noticed that trailers for both parts of uh, Deathly Hallows sometimes explicitly say this is an event mm. of some kind, or they'll say, you know, the worldwide event or the worldwide phenomenon mm. or, you know, experience this or these kind of things that point to a temporality that is not actually narrative, yeah. right? That it's actually, oh, 
you you know you know that Dumbledore dies, but if you come see this movie, you'll see it happen, and then on the DVD release, you could actually see it happen over and over again. Just go to chapter eighteen. <laughs> Dumbledore, R.I.P. You just reminded me that in the trailer for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, it actually starts with a montage of Harry through the years. Right? It does this kind of like previously on Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry learns he's a wizard. The Chamber of Secrets is opened. He goes after Sirius Black, sees Cedric Diggory die at the hands of Voldemort. You have fought valiantly. And then is gaslighted by the ministry. Now join me, Harry, and confront your fate. And then accuses Snape of being a coward. We've kept him alive so he can die at the proper moment. Bring him to me. And then goes camping. Let's find out where he is. If we find him, we can end this. What's that we jump now? Yes. <laughs> now see how it all ends. <laughs> right. That's, that's so interesting. I, I was thinking about the rhythm of the dialogue that's spoken in these, where it very much is, you know, you're a wizard, Harry, the Chamber of Secrets has been opened, <laughs> Hogwarts has participated, or, no, no, sorry, Sirius Black has escaped from Azkaban, Hogwarts has been chosen to host <laughs> the Triwizard Tournament, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But one other thing that we noticed that's really interesting is that uh, Chamber of Secrets and, I think, Half-Blood Prince have a narrator. Right. One year ago, he learned the truth. You're a wizard, Harry. And his first year at Hogwarts school became legend. Much like a lot of trailers, but totally unlike every other Harry Potter trailer, there's a narrator who tells you what's happening. Another year begins. Bloody birds are menace. The education in the magical arts continues. Pixies. Laugh if you will, Mr. Finnegan. See what you make of them. No! And sort of introduces it to you. Yeah. Old rivalries grow stronger. Slytherin's got a new seeker. Malfoy. You'll never catch me, Potter! And something in the school's dark past will be awakened. The Chamber of Secrets has indeed been... Okay, I have a question about trailers that and narrators that's not about Harry Potter. I have for a long time like noticed the recurring narrator. And I remember in I guess probably like the nineties, I remember like having that sudden realization that for action movies, for any movie all movies, it's the same narrator it's probably not all movies it's probably all movies by a specific studio but anyway they all have the same narrator and then i remember the narrator was gone for a while and i was like oh shit i guess the narrator died or got fired or whatever and then in the harry potter movies there's a new narrator it's not the narrator that i remember from my childhood okay so my question for you is are there many movie trailer narrators is there always only one and if there are many are there any women who narrate movie trailers that's a really interesting question that i don't remember his name but it's don something he has a name 
Yes, because the answer to your question is that there actually was one guy who yeah. did most American trailers for a very, very long time, and he did pass away, yeah. I believe, around 2003 or four thereabouts. I am so pleased with my ability to remember things based on, like, circumstance right now. Anyway, carry on. Well, he's the he's the in-a-world guy. Mm-hmm. Where he says, in a world, and the trailer for Jerry Seinfeld's Comedian has him in it as the narrator of trailers, because it's a parody of movie trailers. And he says, in a world, I think, several times. And there has been, um, I think he has been replaced maybe by more than one narrator. But I think it was the same man for a very long time. I wish I could remember his last name. It's Dawn. But to answer your other question, no, it's incredibly, I can't think of a single case of a woman narrating a trailer, which is actually the subject of the Blake Bell movie, In a World, where she is a narrator. She wants to be a narrator of movie trailers. Mm -hmm. And one of the issues that comes up is uh, about the idea of women's voices. Vocal Fry actually gets addressed (gasps) quite a bit. It's it's a really good uh, feminist take on the idea of the movie trailer, actually. Pro- probably the best and possibly <laughs> only uh, feminist <laughs> dramatization of the idea of the movie trailer. But yeah, I think it's extremely uncommon. I, ca- I can't think of a trailer offhandedly that has a female narrator. But that is a really good movie, and, and you should watch it. It seems to me like the later trailers rely quite heavily on the idea that these are iconic and that you actually should already know who Harry Potter is and what mm-hmm. Hogwarts is and, and everything. But the second trailer definitely is sort of holding your hand as to who Harry Potter is. I wonder if that bespeaks a kind of fear that the audience actually wouldn't know who Harry Potter is, which may sound ludicrous to anyone listening to this podcast. <laughs> this has turned into movie trailer questions with Neil. <laughs> Sometimes movie trailers contain footage that doesn't make it into the theatrical release. Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually. Uh, quite often what happens is that the movie trailer, which you know by its nature is assembled uh, before the movie is actually released, sometimes the movie itself is still being edited. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the trailer is based on earlier cuts. Mm-hmm. Particularly sometimes it includes, uh, as you say, deleted scenes or scenes that wind up being deleted. Uh, One thing that actually happens very often is that movie trailers are alternate takes of material that's in the movies. People have gone through and discovered occasionally that it will be the same scene, but it it will be, you know, from a different angle or a slightly different performance or a slightly different delivery. So it's really interesting. And I think that particularly in the case of movies that are quite old there are cases of people discovering sort of lost footage that would otherwise be inaccessible Hmm. i suspect that a movie like harry potter i doubt that any footage from it is you know truly lost um Mm -hmm. just because i that would be an odd kind of decision to make to destroy it uh, or delete it i guess one thing that i think is really interesting about trailers is that they are short films about longer films wow. okay. <laughs> right uh and people fans make trailers too which i think yeah. makes a lot of sense because that's a very creative repurposing of the actual material like our favorite harry potter teen sex comedy trailer yes. for half-blood prince i've got a really good feeling about Hogwarts. i feel it's it's the place to be tonight do you know what i mean no. Which, when we watched the trailer for Half-Blood Prince, I was like, it's 
not as good. No. What about your activities outside the classroom? I can't help wondering if... Oh, no, no. She's brilliant, and we're friends. But no. It's not, and the really funny thing about it is that in the real trailer for Half-Blood Prince, there is a teen sex romp joke. This time, I cannot hope to destroy it alone. Times like these, dark times, it can bring people together. Take my hand. And they can tear them apart. These girls, they're gonna kill me, Harry. And it feels somewhat out of place in that trailer, and I'm really delighted that a fan would decide to make the entire trailer over in that style. That's just fantastic. One thing that's odd is that they they do, to some extent, have to be self-contained or make sense on their own, and fan trailers also have to do that. They also have to make some kind of sense. But they're sort of, they're so, they're so paratextual. Have you seen the fan trailer for scary mary which is just like a horror movie take on mary poppins oh yes it's the it's literally the scariest thing in the entire world i love the genre shift fan trailers those are so good the classic uh you know shining as sort of a heartwarming comedy thing shine yeah shine Yeah, I have to say, though, that the the Harry Potter Half-Blood Prince one is one of the best that I've Mm -hmm. ever seen. It just works so well. Totally. Okay, so you mentioned that trailers are movies about longer movies. And so I wonder if it is useful at all to think about them as adaptations in a way, or are they more, or is it more accurate to think of them as like just purely intertext? Like that's all they are, paratextual intertext. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> that's. I, I I had never thought about that. That's really interesting. What are what do you think are some of the consequences of thinking of it as an adaptation rather than an intertext? The only reason that that even occurred to me is because you said that they have to stand on their own. And that's true as a viewer, as someone who does not have a film degree. What I can say that is true about movie trailers is that even if you don't, even if they don't rehash the plot, which they really shouldn't, um, when you leave a trailer, you should get a sense of what that movie is about, right? That's why you don't have like action movie trailers at the beginning of like, like little kid children's movies, exactly, right? Yeah. yeah. So like the trailers always, at least to some degree, correspond with the film. And sometimes that's really funny because you'll like sit through 15 minutes of really shitty trailers and ask yourself, how bad is this movie yeah. that I'm about to watch going to be? But anyway, if movie trailers need to, in a sense, stand on their own, then that reminds me of the whole function of an adaptation, right? right? Like an adaptation is a story that a person who is familiar with the source text is going to is going to recognize but it needs to be consumable by a person who isn't familiar with the source text and the Harry Potter movies so many of them fail so epically at that because you like especially movie 4 where yeah. if you have not read the books you just like I don't know what's going on why is that man touching that other man's ear in such a gentle stroking manner So could you say then that trailers are a kind of adaptation where it is permissible to not make narrative sense? Mm. It's permissible for the narrative 
to not be coherent. So the standard maybe becomes how accurate is this rather than how much sense does it make as a short film? Because I, I do think it's quite true that if you only watch the trailers to Harry Potter, you would be completely baffled. In fact, I think you'd be a lot more baffled than if you just looked at the book covers. Which is, I guess, probably the print thing that's closest to do that. Because <laughs> it seems to me if they're an adaptation into a medium, then one of the things about that medium is that you expect it to make a certain level of sense, mm-hmm. but also to not fully explain itself as as you say i think you're right you don't actually really want a trailer that explains everything about the movie and in fact it's bad i generally i only associate unpleasant experiences with watching a trailer and being able to infer what is going to happen mm-hmm. when we were watching the harry potter movie trailers the trailer for the sorcerer's stone was just the plot mm-hmm. right and that was extremely Time boring to watch <laughs> yeah but then the trailer for Deathly Hallows Part 2 has that previously seen on Harry Potter intro. Right. And then it's kind of just like a series of explosions and Voldemort's face and Harry's face and a dragon. Yeah, <laughs> And it's like, I know that there will be a dragon in the movie. I know that at some point Voldemort and Harry are going to embrace and fall off a cliff. And I know that it's about Harry Potter and it's the end of his story. I mean, what does it mean to know that at some point Harry Potter and Voldemort will embrace each other and jump off into a cliff? (laughs) I'm just thinking if if you had another adaptation, like say a piece of fan art that was the two of them jumping off a cliff, Mm -hmm. you would never approach that fan art and say, but I don't know what this story is about, right? right? It's not clear from this story. So maybe the, I feel like the advertising function of trailers is just inescapable. There's something inescapable about it that you always on some level evaluate them as advertising. So you neither want them to replace the thing they're advertising, or you don't expect them to replace the thing they're advertising, but you also don't expect them to not tell you anything. Mm -hmm. The trailers always do this kind of thing where it's, whether it's Dumbledore saying, don't don't go up there or you'll face certain death or, you know, the Chamber of Secrets has been opened or, you know, Harry saying, why would I seek out Sirius Black? He tried to kill my parents. And then he says, I, I wish he would come and try to kill me. And then I'd kill him or, or you know, Voldemort saying, oh, this is a boy who lives. Come, come to die at last. That's my impression of Voldemort. Yeah, it's good. It's pretty cash about these things. Oh, this is a boy who lives. <laughs> well, it's a boy who lives. Come around to die at last. <laughs> I uh, I should be the one to uh, I have to be the one to kill Harry Potter. That's what I'm saying. He's like burying the ends of his sentences for some reason. So anyway, my point is, you know, we we know that all the movies are going to have conflict, and they're all trying to tell us who's involved in the conflict, and they're all trying to set up, you know, that there will be some kind of narrative progression in the thing you're going to see later, but they also can't show you that whole mm-hmm. thing. So you see Harry Potter and Voldemort jumping off a cliff. I feel like there are a lot of trailers that have images of people jumping off of other things and not mm-hmm. showing you where they land. Yeah. Maybe in some ways that's kind of the primal essence of a trailer. You yeah. know they're going to land, but your question is what led them to this point and how are they going to do it? It's not surprising that Harry Potter and Voldemort are going to fight and both be in danger but mm-hmm. hmm hmm this is my theory of the trailer now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are there different genres of trailer like do trailers for action movies have different characteristics than trailers for 
rom-coms, or romantic dramas. A Walk in the Clouds starring Keanu Reeves, for example. (laughs) It doesn't have any explosions. I'm thinking about this. There's definitely modes of trailers, right? I mean, comedy trailers, which the Harry Potter trailers, I think, all have a joke in them. Every single one. Well, maybe not Deathly Hallows, but... They all have some kind of joke, even when it's Hermione hitting Ron with a book. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a real real good Hermione moment to highlight there. Yeah. Or actually Hermione punching Draco in the face, right? Mm-hmm. That was a, played as a comedy moment, as it should be. Yeah. Um, I never really thought about this. The, I mean, trailers have modes, obviously, in as much as they are kind of themselves little narratives. But do you think maybe the real point of a trailer is just to tell people what kind of a movie it's going to be? That would also explain this spectacular focus on kind of iconography where you'd say, okay, this is a movie with wizards in it and here's a dragon. And, you know, you see a dragon for three seconds. You don't know who that dragon is, but there's a dragon. So, you know, it's that kind of movie. There must be a pact between trailer audience and movie. Like no one would be satisfied by a trailer that promises an action movie And then you go to see the action movie and it's actually like a really serious character drama that's very slow. Although that is the exact complaint that many people had about Drive. (gasps) The trailer for Drive starring Ryan Gosling, which does include, I think, almost every action scene in the movie, which is true. They are in the movie, but the actual movie is more kind of thoughtful. You know what? If you went to see Drive for anything other than Ryan Gosling's like long, slow, silent stares, that's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, wait, can I tell you? <laughs> Which is exactly why I watched Drive. Fair enough. <laughs> and when it... Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Commence Obliviate in five. Four, three, two, one. When it gets to the point where he like stomps on the head of the man oh in the elevator, I was like, this is not the movie that I signed up for. So I feel like I had the exact opposite experience. So interesting. Everybody else who went to see that movie and was like, what the fuck is Ryan Gosling just staring at that beautiful blonde woman for? It was like, Carrie Mulligan is very beautiful, but like lots of people who go to action movies don't just want to see Ryan Gosling staring at her. And then probably when he stomps on the guy's head in the in the elevator, they're like, finally, in the last six minutes, we get some action. Whereas me, I was like, this isn't, this is, I've been betrayed. So that's so interesting because, I mean, these are moments of audience kind of disengagement from the story, right? Where, you, you know, you are no longer as invested in the character and these other people have the opposite kind of break. But I wonder about that because it seems to me that when you think about trailers that people hate it is actually because they don't tell you what kind of a movie it is, Mm -hmm. right? It's not like Drive actually turned out to be a comedy. (laughs) Although someone has surely cut that trailer. But yeah, okay, so this is, I mean, in searching for something that's in between an explicit narrative and just, you know, information about the movie, maybe the kind of movie. So maybe trailers don't have genres themselves, but they're about genre. Mm Mm-hmm which would explain also the phenomenon of genre switching trailers, mm, right? Yeah. That would explain why that's so interesting. Do, do you remember that DVD that I found for you and Hannah? <gasps> yes, I do. We're going to have a mini-sode about that. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, the paratext of films is going to get real interesting mm-hmm. in that one. 
Uh, I guess this is sort of a like a trailer. It's a yeah. teaser. It's a teaser. Thanks, dear listeners, for joining us for episode 15.5.5, probably, of which, please, the rest of our episodes are available on our shiny new updated website, ohwhichplease.ca. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or any podcast platform you so desire. Speaking of iTunes, special shout out to the beloved humans who have been reviewing us, Student of Whim, HB Banana Bee, and... Abigail and the world. We think that they are the bee's knees. If you've already left us a review, but can't stop, won't stop expressing your love, why not buy a piece of merch with our faces on it? I know for a fact that longtime friend of Witch Please, Karina Soros, got a bunch of oohs and ahs for her hip Witch Please laptop sleeve at a recent Digital Humanities conference. Laptop sleeves, iPad cases, and other digital human merch is available at society6.com slash ohwitchplease. You can find the link on our website. And speaking of that website... Special thanks, as always, to Trevor Chow Fraser, our erstwhile tech support and the robot of our hearts. Hi, how are you doing? Our last episode was a teensy bit late, but that's because Trevor was hard at work building some kind of internet infrastructure to prevent our website from crashing, which it used to do all the time because we were just too popular. Thanks, Trevor. You're the best. And galloping unicorn gifts to everyone who's been tweeting at us. We don't read the Twitter list during minisodes, but we still love you and we appreciate you every day. Following Hannah's minisode about the materiality of book publishing, we had a lot of really fun conversations on Twitter that were sparked and inspired and continued by listeners sharing pictures of their international book covers. Something that might be equally fun. I don't know if these exist, but like maybe if you have links to um, movie trailers for Harry Potter releases in different countries and different languages, that would be pretty cool. So please feel free to tweet those at us. It would be a lot of fun to watch those. Similarly, if you also have pictures of international releases of the Harry Potter films released to DVD or movie posters, those are also things that would be really cool to share. We would all love to see those. Send them our way. Finally, we want to send a shout out of gratitude to the three listeners who made us wands. Becky V, After Three, and Student of Whim, plus an angry goose who chased Student of Whim through a park. For the full story of the goose and how these beautiful wands came to be, check out Student of Whim's heartwarming blog post, Which Please Podcraft and Review, on madartlab.com. We're still in minisode mode for a bit, and life is really hard to predict, so who knows what's to come next fortnight. So, until then. Later, witches. Witches.